This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. All 50 states require certain vaccinations to attend school. As many families prepare to send their kids back to class this month, we are checking in with two experts about why it's important to stay up to date on these shots. Joining us now to discuss is Dr. Malika Fair, Senior Director of Equity and Social Accountability at the Association of American Medical Colleges. Hi, Dr. Fair. Welcome to Reset. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Dr. Margaret Scottolero with Rush University Medical Center. She's the president-elect of the Illinois chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Hi, doctor. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Dr. Fair, can you put things into context for us? Childhood immunization rates, they hit historic lows during the pandemic. Why was that the case and, and where are the rates now? You know, we have a situation in this nation where we faced a global pandemic, and there was a lot of fear, uh, fear about where to go, where should I send my child to school, and yes, should I have my child have a vaccination, any kind of vaccination. Um, And I think this affected what's happening now with uh, very low uh, vaccination rates for the COVID vaccine, as well as all of the other immunizations that are required. And I think that to combat that fear, we have to have correct information and we have to allow people to ask their questions and talk to trusted their trusted pediatricians about these questions. Yeah. Dr. Scottolero, what does the data show about gaps related to insurance, race and ethnicity, poverty and geographic area? Yeah, yeah. Well, there are um, pretty striking disparities um, along all of those measures. Um, So if we look at vaccine rates um, based on race and ethnicity, um, for example, for children under age two um, who've been vaccinated um, and up to date with polio, the rates for white children are about 96% in our country, Hispanic children about 95%, and for African-American or black children, it's only 91%. Mm -hmm. Um, For the DTAP, it's similar for white children. There's 88% vaccine rate, Hispanic children of 82 and black children of only 70%. Um, So these are real disparities that hold up um, across um, our nation. Um, In addition, there's lower rates of vaccination among children who have uh, public insurance as opposed to private insurance. Um, And for higher income families, there are higher rates of um, vaccination as well. What do the trends look like here in Illinois? Um, so the this data is similar for Illinois. Um, the other trends that we are seeing is that um, the overall rates have dropped for children entering kindergarten. Um, and that, you know, reflects some of the things that the other doctor just mentioned mm-hmm. um, about family fear. Um, also, children who weren't seen um, at, at the appropriate times for their well-child visits because of COVID and fear of coming into um, a medical provider's office. Um, and so we're really playing catch up on trying to um, get those vaccines that were missed during the height of COVID um, for all of our young children. Dr. Fair, which vaccination, so we're clear, does the CDC actually recommend for children? So if we're talking about COVID-19, uh, they do recommend the two mRNA vaccines that are available. So those that are provided by Pfizer and uh, by Moderna. Um, and this is available now for children who are as young as six months. And those who are um, over the age of five, if they've already been vaccinated, about five months later, they should receive a booster. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really exciting news, and we hope that more parents will take advantage of uh, you know this wonderful opportunity to have our children vaccinated. Yeah, But overall, which vaccines? I, I know DTAP, uh, is that the tetanus shot? That's one, right? 
that's oh, yeah. recommended? There, there are a lot of vaccinations, and I, I let my pediatrician colleague fill that in because based on your age and how many months of old you are, there are several vaccines that you have to have um, the older you get, including hepatitis and, uh, and several others. But maybe my colleague can give you all the specifics. Dr. Scott Alero? Um, so it does seem like a large list. Um, the beauty is that we do have a number of combination vaccines that can bring um, a number of diseases under protection with a single injection. Um, so for um, things that are required to enter school, um, yes. children are required to have diphtheria tetanus pertussis, which is one vaccine, um, the haemophilus influenza uh, the Prevnar or pneumococcal vaccine, um, they're required to have um, varicella or chickenpox, uh, measles, mumps, rubella, um, and then once they hit the age of 11, the meningitis vaccine. And it looks like Illinois doesn't include uh, rotavirus or hepatitis A. Can you clarify? So those are those are both vaccines that are very strongly encouraged, um, but are not required for school entry. Um, so rotavirus is very important for young babies, but that's a vaccine that's only given um, to infants up to age eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, we do strongly, of course, encourage both influenza vaccine annually, and um, as Dr. Fair had mentioned, all of the COVID vaccines. Uh, but, but at this stage, um, none of those are required for school entry specifically. So, Dr. Scalero, what are the consequences, would you say, of just not being up to date on childhood immunizations? What could happen? Yeah. So, so, of course, the thing that many families who don't accept vaccines face is not being able to attend the public schools. Um, children can be excluded from sports and activities. Um, but more importantly, even small gaps in vaccination can lead to outbreaks of vaccine-preventable infections. So we do um, periodically see outbreaks of measles, which is a life-threatening illness. Um, we do see whooping cough or pertussis, um, and that's been a fairly common outbreak um, in the last decade, yeah. um, as well as mumps. Um, and so then, of course, things we see with influenza and COVID that um, we've all um, are very well aware of the deaths that are associated with those infections. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Dr. Fair, speaking of childhood immunizations, what do things look like on the global scale? So we are still seeing that overall that the immunization rates for children have gone down um, about 86% to about 81% from 2020 to 2021. Um, and most recently, I don't have access to those data off the top of my head, but I do know that you know globally we're seeing that same fear that I talked about um, as it relates to all childhood immunizations. And definitely with COVID-19, we are not seeing the uptake that we want to see. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, you know, as kids are starting to head back to the classroom, we wanted to discuss the importance of staying up to date on childhood vaccinations. With us to discuss our Dr. Malika Fair, who is a Senior Director of Equity and Social Accountability at the Association of American Medical Colleges, and Dr. Margaret Scottolero with the Illinois chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, Dr. Fair, sticking with you for a moment, I want to turn back to the latest on COVID-19 vaccines for kids, right? Uh, the vaccine was approved for kids under five about a month and a half ago. What are the latest vaccination rates, you would say, among infants and children? So the latest data um, that I've seen is that for the ages of six months to four years, we're only seeing about 5% of those children have been vaccinated. Um, for the age group between 5 and 11, wow. about 30% of those children have um, received their COVID-19 vaccine. And then for 12 to 17, about 60%. Now, looking at the adults, 
if you look at all of individuals in the U.S., we're approaching that 70% mark um, of, of this immunization, but we're not seeing that um, with young children. And that's, we see that they have a lot of infections right now, as well as hospitalizations, mostly in that age group um, because of the low uptake. Yeah, to that end, Dr. Scottolero, uh, there's a recent survey by the Kaiser Family Foundation that finds 43% of parents with kids under five say that they will definitely not get them the shot. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, so we talk with a lot of families um, who have gotten a lot of misinformation uh, from public media um, and just all of the the uncertainty that's come with COVID-19. But we work with families, we talk about um, their concerns, and um, really over time we find that we are able to um, answer people's concerns and um, get families to to vaccinate. And that's what we had seen with the older, um, the five and older group, and we Mm -hmm. anticipate that with the younger ones as well. Um, I, we often talk about, you know, parents' concern, oh, I don't want to give a brand new vaccine to my little baby. Right. And we explain that this is not a new vaccine. This is a child's dose of a vaccine that's very well studied and been shown to have been highly effective and very, very safe. Um, and we talk about the risks and benefits of being exposed to COVID and the severe risks to, to young children, um, as opposed to the very, very small risk of a very safe vaccine. Yeah, you bring up a good point, you know, as approaching the, the, the bottom half of 2022, I think it's kind of hard to make the uh, it's too new argument anymore, right, when it comes to the COVID exactly. vaccine? Exactly. And we, we talk with families where um, parents have gotten the vaccine and yet they have hesitancy for their child. And so we talk through those issues too. Yeah. Um, and children do very, very well with the vaccine with very limited side effects. What do you think, Dr. Fair? Should, should parents wait until there's an updated booster shot in the fall that matches the recent variants? The I ones that are waiting? Wait. I'm a, I definitely would not wait. I'm a parent myself, and I was, you know, in the first week wanted to get my daughter vaccinated because because we see that there's um, increasing rates of infection, and, and you never know when there's going to be a spread in your school or at camp or at an event that you're going to. And I think it's the best defense that we have uh, for me personally, um, I wanted to make sure that my daughter, one, did not get it and still does not get it, mm-hmm. but also even if she does, that she has a lower risk of having a severe illness, uh, being hospitalized, having long-term complications, and definitely not dying. And that's why I wanted to make sure that my daughter got it as soon as it was available. And I would not recommend um, that someone waits because you never know what can happen in the meantime. Yeah, that, that same poll I mentioned earlier from the Kaiser Family Foundation found that more than a quarter of parents were planning to wait to see how the vaccine affects other young children first. Um, now, there are some parents that might wonder if it's safe to get the COVID vaccine at the same time as these other vaccinations. Are there any risks or, or side effects they should know about, Dr. Fair? So it's absolutely safe to get the vaccine with your other immunizations that you're planning to get from uh, your pediatrician's office. There's no concern there. Um, I know parents are concerned in general about the side effects of the vaccine, and they could expect something that they experience with the soreness in their arm and with um, you know, maybe a fever or some fatigue. And a lot of children have no, absolutely no side effects from having the vaccine. Um, but for convenience sake and for safety, it's, it's great to be able to get them all at the same time. Yeah. Dr. Scottolero, are there any special considerations that we should be making, though, for, for babies and toddlers? 
I mean, I think one consideration for this age group is that um, under age two, they can't wear masks, so they are even more vulnerable when going out in public or attending daycare than older kids who might be able to mask. Um, one uh, barrier that we're working very hard um, amongst pediatricians um, and with a number of organizations is that under age three, children um, are not able to get the COVID vaccine at pharmacies. Um, so it really has to be with their uh, primary care provider or other health care provider. Um, and so making sure that we uh, make the vaccine as available as possible um, at everybody's um, family um, pediatrician. Um, we have a group that's called IVAC, um, which is a cooperative with the Illinois Department of Public Health, um, with the Illinois chapter of the American Academy pediatrics, um, the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians, and ECHO Chicago um, that has reached out to educate both providers as well as families about vaccination to help break down barriers to get the vaccines into pediatrician's office where children can access them. So leave us with this. Uh, Dr. Fair, what should parents do if they have any questions or, or concerns about their child's immunizations? Uh, they should call their health care provider, private provider, whether that's a pediatrician or a family medicine physician or a nurse practitioner, whoever they see um, for the health of their child, they should ask them questions and also contact their health department. Uh, I think this is the time to ask those questions um, because if they're like me, they want their child to have play dates, they want their child to return to school right. uh, and get back to some normalcy. Dr. Scottolero, what, what resources would you point our listeners to? Yeah, I think um, that in addition to your health care provider, um, if you're doing your own research to use a reputable source, um, we often send our families to a website called healthychildren.org, and that's to be put together by the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it has lots of um, data-supported information for families, um, both about vaccines and many other health-related issues. Um, but also they could go to the Centers for Disease Control website, the cdc.gov, and there also is a lot of information on illinoisvaccinates.com, and that's the website that supports the IVAC initiative. That is Dr. Margaret Scottolero with the Illinois chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. And we've also been speaking with Dr. Malika Fair with the Association of American Medical Colleges. Thank you both. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.